1: To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and we do a lot of outreach and a lot of advocacy on our end. And today we are joined by Patrice Douglas, who is a self-described mental health advocate who happens to be a therapist. And has really cool ideas. She has just completed a dissertation that we're going to dive into some great aspects of here in a little bit. But uh, thank you for joining us today, Patrice.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: We're so excited to have you. And it's good to see you again after you are one of our hashtag modern therapists at our first conference. You're amazing. Best so, conference
2: ever. Uh, so please tell us who you are and what you're putting out into the world. So I am Patrice Douglas. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California in Texas. I am also the owner of Empire Counseling and Consultation that is in California, Texas, in New York. I specialize in anxiety, depression, anger management, minority mental health, men's issues, life, uh, <laughs> pretty much. I am also a doctoral student at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, where I have just passed my proposal defense. So I'm very excited on moving forward with my study and getting it approved um, through the board. I am a Black woman who is very passionate about the mental health community in my community and helping them reduce the stigma so that they can get the help that they deserve.
1: This is so cool. And... (laughs) I love Patrice's Instagram. Like I I am late to the Instagram game and have not done a whole lot on mine just because it seems like it's so much effort.
2: (laughs) Yes. And
1: in preparing for today's episode, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to check, check Patrice out, see, see what's going on in, in her social medias. And I was just really impressed with the way that you have this social media campaign about destigmatizing mental health services for the black community mm. and i know that this is what your what your thesis was on you just got through this defense you know i'm i'm not going to make a joke of this like this is known that this is a problem and it's awesome that you're doing something about it tell Thank us more you. tell us more
2: So, being that I am a Black woman, I do see my community feeling like going to therapy and addressing their mental health concerns as a weakness. And so, a lot of my community members are dying by suicide or, you know, dying by their symptoms of mental illness because they're afraid to speak up or they feel like it's too late. When it comes to social media, I feel like in this time, like this is the way to get people to see the message without feeling guilty or ashamed of getting the message. I feel like social media is a place where we can find our happiness and we can definitely find our sadness uh, social media and times have been turned into a negative place where people are getting bullied or you know they're receiving negative comments and things like that so i try to have my page a little bit more uplifting and positive and trying to normalize the conversation about what mental health is and how easy it can be to figure out what you need to do to get help without having to navigate through all these channels of the unknown. So when it comes to the black community, I'm definitely very uh, sensitive to them. I'm very passionate about them. And so they are the driving force of what I why I do what I do every single day.
0: What is the response that you've been getting to the social media stuff?
2: So in February, I had uh, released an infographic, two of them, actually, one was seven, seven, I think it was six signs of depression in black men and uh, six signs of anxiety in black women. And it blew up on Twitter. I mean, I think combined, I'm at 25,000 retweets. So wow. combined with all the social media platforms, easily probably we're at, we're at probably like 28,000. I didn't know it was going to blow up this big. And so I got, Overall, most people were okay with the information, but you had some that were uncomfortable with me labeling it for a black person. They felt like these symptoms were just for everyone. And I had to stop myself from explaining so much that it's not about color. It's about identifying in my community what it looks like, because a lot of times. Men didn't know that sexual dysfunction could be a sign of depression. They didn't know that goal avoidance or over consuming on alcohol or marijuana or whatever the case may be. These were signs of depression. They just thought that these were cool coping skills. We we would say uh, to get through life, not realizing that they were dealing with a mental illness. So from there, I mean, my social media like blew up. I think that week I got over like a thousand new followers on all my platforms. And so from then on, I've been kind of the liaison of infographics. I feel like I got to keep up <laughs> with that challenge. So I try to release one every every month per se. But social media, I would say, has been very receiving of my information. There's always those stragglers that don't. Yep. But that's okay. Um, because in that moment, when they try to come for me in a negative way, I can use that as a teaching moment as to why I got to keep this conversation going. Because they just truly don't understand.
0: I think that's interesting. Because I think... When you step out and say, "Hey, this is specific to this community," and people get angry about it, I I could imagine that would be a pretty vulnerable space to be in. To me, I I, I don't know that I'm going to get to a question, but I'm going to try to get to one. <laughs> to me, I think there's this this notion that when we're we're talking about mental health and when we're talking about how to decrease stigma, if we get too specific with it's in this community or that community that somehow we're doing a disservice to other communities, which is false. It's, you know, like, I think to me, I think maybe, maybe what I'm trying to get to is when we're looking at barriers that are specific to the black community, what are you seeing? Cause I think you're addressing them and you're starting, you're clearly getting some traction. I mean, 25,000 retweets and thousand new followers. I mean, clearly there is a need for this message But let's step back and talk about what are these specific barriers that you're starting to address and also what you're going to be doing in your dissertation research. Like, what are we looking at when we're thinking about barriers specific to the African-American population of people who are needing mental health services?
2: I think it's all about identifying how to explain what mental health is in this day and age. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times when we see, you know, information about health, mental health, physical health, it's always in this checklist. And so it's used in language that we may not identify from day to day. So I try to break down exactly what anxiety and depression or bipolar or whatever looks like on a day to day basis. Not mm. this checklist of like, okay, I go down this list. I don't feel that way. No, it's like not wanting to get out of bed, not wanting to go to work, drinking too much, thinking about dying. Like when the men saw their spectrum of symptoms. They were like, I feel like this every day. I didn't think it was depression. I just thought it was life. And we have to think about it from a a historical perspective that, you know, African Americans have been oppressed. There's a lot of trauma, a lot of uh, intergenerational trauma, post-traumatic slave syndrome. So when we're looking at things like that, we don't even identify that this is a problem. We think that it's just part of our making. And so I try to make it my mission to break it down in the easiest language possible of you may think this is your normal, but it's not supposed to be normal. And so instead of trying to make it your normal, let's identify how we can change how you live your life.
1: In so many ways, this seems to be mirroring and paralleling the Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter sort of argument and just really specific to mental health. And just kind of the way that you know even even therapists who are educated into this, who i 'm assuming are part of the people of like, well, you know this is you know all, all, all mental health matters well like yes. you know this is <laughs> and you know this is such a such a problematic thing of, and we hit on on these racial issues in a couple of our other episodes, and this is why we keep coming back to it is because it is something where. In the communities, it is a problem and it is something that this voice needs to keep being repeated and keep being repeated and to value people's opinions about these barriers as they've experienced them. Because you know, as white therapists, Katie and I can acknowledge this and be allies to this, but it's academic. It's you know maybe a little bit of professional experience working in these where you're in these communities. And you're really part of the conversation, not just a joining into the conversation. I don't have a question. I just wanted to. <laughs> just, <you> know,
0: <laughs> well, I, I wanted to, to circle back to a couple of things and kind of deepen a question that I had. So you said pl- post-traumatic slave syndrome and it's Joy DeGruy, right? Yes. Yeah, Joy DeGruy is amazing. I heard her speak... I was going to say back in the day I don't even know how long ago it was in South Los Angeles at the African American Mental Health Conference and when she spoke about post traumatic slave syndrome it was eye opening so I will definitely put a link in the show notes to her work cuz I think it's so important but when I was working in that community and and I want to kind of ask you these questions again, is that, that there's, there's a post-traumatic slave syndrome, there's the religious community that, that potentially is, you know, I, I know you have shirts that say you can have therapy and, and Jesus. Right, at
2: the same time, at yes. The same time. And I think
0: there's also, you know, kind of the Tuskegee experiments and, you know, those kinds of things where kind of going into any kind of practice or, or medical type facility can be really overwhelming what do you see or what are, what's part of the conversation or what are you going to be researching as far as these kinds of barriers like what do you feel like is most relevant cuz i feel like what kurt was saying is we're outside wanting to ally and come into the conversation but this is this is your area of expertise so so what are we really looking at as far as these barriers are concerned to mental health for african american people
2: i think the biggest barrier is the trust value so of course, in a perfect world, African-Americans probably want to see a therapist that looks exactly like them. But when we look at the statistics, there's only about 2% of us in the field. And I think there's less psychologists. I think it's like 1%. So when we look at that, it's the numbers game of, okay, it's high, it might be unlikely that you may get a Black therapist, but you may get like a Hispanic therapist, or you might get a, a, a white therapist. And I think that conversation of Clinicians that are not of color don't understand how far back the history of uh, cultural mistrust goes with health professionals. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one of the things that I've really learned to understand in my dissertation process. Uh, It goes back to the slavery days where uh, we were used as experiments and how the slaves were praying to God that they wouldn't make it to summer because they knew summer was going to be the time where they were going to be picked on to be you know cut open alive or whatever the case may be they'd rather be dead than deal with that mm-hmm. and we got um you know back in the 50s and the 60s and the 40s of um any black person that seemed to have any type of mood disorder or whatever was going on they will automatically institutionalize them and put them in a hospital and so we had a high incidence of schizophrenia when really we might have had depression or anxiety or if we say we hear god they automatically assume we're hearing voices but you know, in the, in the black community, our religion is very important to us. So we do have that connection with God. So one of the biggest barriers is the trust value. I understanding that you don't have to be a black therapist to reach your clients, but you also have to have that cultural training of understanding how far back our trauma goes. And it kind of goes back to my talk at your conference.
0: Yeah. Yeah. About,
2: you know, When African-American comes to you, don't say, I don't see color. You need to know that I'm brown. You need to identify that I'm brown and you need to understand my brown and what's going on with my brown. And so when we make statements like that or, you know, everybody suffers from anxiety, our specific community needs to feel special. We've gone through a lot. And so if we feel like you connected with us, if we feel like you understand what white privilege is and how when we go to work, we can't be ourselves. We have to act one way or uh, we have to act a certain way in public because we might be stereotyped as angry black women or angry black men. That's when you can break the barriers and get more African-Americans into these offices to get help. Until we do that, we're stuck. And so that's the biggest barrier is really honing down on learning how to decrease this medical mistrust. Because I mean, I was watching a clip of a, a show that was on a network about how medical professionals don't take in consideration how much in pain an African American can be when they come to their office. They're already thinking that on their pain level it's a one when it's really a 10 for them because they feel like we're stronger than the average. So they won't give us the right prescriptions or they may say come back later if it worsens. Usually when it worsens is we might die. So even just understanding that we're not Teflon, we we may act like strong people, but that's because that's what's been embedded in us to feel but we are human at the end of the day. If we can break this barrier of the mistrust, I think that the black community will receive the care that they need for sure. But until we do that, it's gonna be difficult because we can't do it on our own. We need help, we need we need people around us, other community members to take grasp and help us get the help that we need.
1: Thryser is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Threizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryser links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryser manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryser allows clients to only pay their coinsurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf.
0: They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out of network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thriser.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
1: For those of us who don't come from the Black community, to understand that this is not a zero-sum sort of situation of addressing these cross-cultural barriers. That because of voices like Patrice and the growing support that that she has, is that this is not at the cost of white therapy and white therapists. <laughs> and this is not at the cost of... Latinx therapy, that this is, you know, really specific to the competencies and understanding of of the culture that's there. As, you know, I, I love all the points that you're bringing up. And there's kind of this space of like, there's the haters, there's, then there's the people in the middle how how can we help steer this conversation a little bit more as as far as understanding where our limits are you're you're bringing up these historical contexts which are great bringing it more into the advocacy of this space getting other non black therapists onto the okay yes you have unique issues what kind of advice do you have for the allies to help this cause
2: i think using your voice more i mean like you when i was at the conference with you guys you guys were very pro what I was talking about, which was very helpful, um, because the conversation that we were having about servicing the Black community and not being Black could be very touchy at times. I think being more open to trainings, being more open to having conversations with Black therapists. We like to do consultations and help in any way that we can so you can better understand what we're going through. But I will say this, the Black community is not turned off to other clinicians that are not of color. My therapist is not a black person. He's actually Hispanic. And so I don't want anybody to feel like the conversation is like, okay, if you're black, that means you have to go see a black therapist. My therapist is more in tune of wanting to understand my story and not want to see my story as like, like a movie or anything like that. Mm -hmm. He really, I really truly wants to understand where I'm coming from so that he can navigate me in the right way. I think The people that are advocating for the black community outside of the community and all other communities, Hispanic, Asian and things like that. I think you guys are doing the best that you can in speaking in and encouraging others to talk about it. I think what needs to happen is that we have to be more okay with intersecting trainings. I feel like when it comes to like post-traumatic slave syndrome trainings or, uh, you know, intergenerational, I don't see a lot of people outside of my community going to these trainings.
1: I wonder if part of that is, and and I'm just kind of speaking off the cuff here, but it it seems in in some ways that the reaction is really, we're really quick to jump on, oh, Bessel van der Kolk and intergenerational trauma. And that's totally a thing. And we've got kind of this white version of it that we've studied through Holocaust survivors and their descendants and all of this kind of stuff. But the charge of calling it post-traumatic slavery, just it goes into the broader cultural ideas of just how divisive this is and how much more it adds to people coming from the black community.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, there are some of us that want to open our arms and let the whole world know what we're going through and, so that they can help us. But like I said, I think it goes back to that mistrust of if I let you in too much, is it going to be helpful or is it going to be harmful for me? And I know um, with clinicians that are outside of the Black community, they are a little fearful of using the word slave or learning more about trauma and identifying with some of those things because they may feel like they're 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 stepping in waters that don't belong to them. But in reality is is that the the Black community wants to be understood and wants to be supported by everyone. So the more that people ask questions, the more that they're more in tune of coming to our events, the more that they're getting their trainings, it's going to help alleviate a lot of tension that happens in the Black community outside the Black community. And so it's unfortunate. It's just very generational, and I think a lot of us in the Black community that are therapists are really trying to break these barriers with our community and outside of our community as well.
1: I haven't been trained in in this like Katie has, and and you know definitely to the extent of of what you're talking about. So for me and for any of our listeners who haven't gone through trainings on post traumatic slave syndrome. Can you give us an overview of of what this is and not just let us assume?
2: So the whole premise of post-traumatic slave syndrome is understanding, studying the behaviors, beliefs, and the actions of the black community associated with multi-generational trauma experienced by African-Americans. So when we look at African-Americans, we are basically going off of the last generation before us. So we're literally basing off everything of our ancestors. So, Every part of us that hurt every time we react to something, every time we feel something is because it is transcended down from our ancestors. And so from our ancestors of experiencing slavery into our mindset is that we have to be strong. There is no sign of weakness. Weakness means failure. Weakness means death. When we notice things that are wrong, we don't pay attention to it. Or we may have some like toxic behaviors of cutting people off when we don't need to because we don't want to deal with them. Or letting others get away with certain things outside of the community because we feel like we have to fit in with them. But with our community, we're extremely hard on them. I mean, I would say, you know, the black community often struggles with even being loyal within the black community. We feel like, okay, if, for instance, if I have a business, they're looking for a discount. Mm. Or you charge too much. But if someone outside of the community was to charge the same thing, they wouldn't have a problem with it is because we don't trust each other because we've never learned to fully trust anyone because we've been betrayed, per se, in the slavery days. So it's something that just transcends. And we're trying to learn how to unravel the trauma from our ancestors to now.
1: Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered.
0: Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. And... For me, just to to kind of add a little bit from the training that I went to, is the most powerful examples that I heard from her kind of delineating kind of different families. So an an African-American family, everybody's close together. The kids don't move out of the way because you can't let your kids out of sight. Whereas the white family is like, come on back, honey. And it's like they're way far away because there's that trust that if your kid's Are wandering around, they're safe. Whereas with the African-American population, if your kid was too far away, they could have been snatched and, and taken to another plantation or whatever. And I think that was just, just that visual was so visceral for me. And the other one that just is, I think, really heartbreaking is that any black person that would stand out, if the slave was especially talented in some way, they were taken from your family and either sold or put into another role, and so it was something where you have to hide any skills or talents because that was dangerous. That was death. That was separation. And to me, you know, when you think about the implications of these things, it just is amazing—amazing amazing in a bad way. Also striking in a horrible way that being trained to be invisible, being trained that you can't trust your your peers, your community, being trained that if you're if you get too far out that you'll be killed or traded off or whatever really impacts the ability to be creative, it impacts ability to succeed because there's this cultural, you know, kind of I don't even that's not even the right word, it's like this kind of in being ingrained that anything that makes you stand out makes you, it puts you in danger.
2: Right. And that even ties back to the color barriers. You know, the lighter skin African Americans would be in the house and the darker ones would be outside and slave it away, you know, doing things like that. So even that dynamic has affected our community even today where we're pinning each other based on, you know, the hue of our skin. Um, So there's a lot of like, and I think That train that you went to was amazing. And she had some great examples of what it feels like in those days to be African-American. So just to have those examples and then you're carrying it five to six to seven generations. When you get to that adulthood of yourself and you're realizing that the things that you learned, the things that you thought were okay, weren't okay. How can you unravel that without offending your family? Or without feeling like you're not a Black person. You want to change your whole makeup of how you feel about things. These are the things that we experience in the Black community that often puts us in a state of depression. It puts us in a state of why am I even here? Or, you know, why am I doing this and why am I doing that? So just the layers of what we've experienced in generations is why. Every black person, in my opinion, everybody in this world could benefit from therapy. But these are the conversations that we have to have with the community to say it's okay that you thought you were okay, but you're really not okay. So let's work on being okay.
0: Damn. (laughs) (laughs) We just blew (laughs) trees. I mean,
1: (laughs) just... No, I, I'm going back to the one day in grad school where we talked about African-American issues and therapy. The one day.
2: The one day, one chapter, <laughs> yep. baby, or section.
1: Right. And, you know, the the one other Black student in my cohort to represent all of this. And, you know, this is give – me, give me some hope. Like <laughs> – <laughs>
0: I think Patrice is giving a whole community hope. I right. mean, I, I love your social media, but you also have T-shirts and different things like that. So, So maybe talk about your plan. This is the hope for Kurt, your plan to really reach the African-American community related to these mental health issues that are so ingrained in our society.
2: Yeah. So I do have a t-shirt line. um, It's called the therapy saves lives campaign and it's grown so much. I think I'm at like 180 shirts sold as of today. Nice. The launch and there's like, you know, five or six different designs. The purpose of The campaign was to ignite the conversation without having to say anything. I think a lot of times people don't know what to say when it comes to mental health. They feel like they're going to say the wrong thing or they're going to open up a conversation they're not ready for. And so if you're just a walking billboard, you just did your job. So, like, even when I wear my shirts out, like the conversations of, like, hey, I like your shirt. Therapy does save lives. It saved my life. Or I had someone that came up to me and They're in the Catholic religion, faith-based. And he was conflicted about going to church and praying and feeling that wasn't enough. He wanted to go talk to someone. So he did, and he felt very guilty. And then here I come walking in this shirt that says, you can pray and see a therapist at the same time. And it was confirmation for him that God wasn't mad at him. So just, you know, these t-shirts alone can really, you know, truly impact someone's life. And the proceeds go towards helping provide therapy to those that can't afford it as well as low cost workshops. And it seems like you know in the in the mental health community a lot of people are taking the t-shirt route too. I've seen a lot more shirts since I've started mm-hmm. which is awesome. So I think even though I have a lot of shirts these infographics man they just keep drawing me and <laughs> <in>. so <laughs> I keep making these infographics and they're just floating all over the place. Somebody told me the other day, I'm tired of seeing you on my timeline because I think I have like three different things going on I have the depression anxiety for African Americans going out, I have the five ways to grieve Nipsey Hussle that is still trending. And a lot of feedback from from the black community that everybody that was affected by Nipsey Hussle's death, the things to say the phrases to avoid saying to someone with anxiety and depression, that one's still floating all over the place. So from February to now, I'm all over social media. So my mission is to always just keep the conversation going and making it as easy as possible. So Kurt, there definitely is hope. I didn't,
1: you know, ask that as, as like, there is no hope. Stop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this, this, you know, there is hope and I am really encouraged. And, you know, I was excited to see going across my feed that it's okay to grieve Nipsey hustle because it it is something that is Current and it's relevant, and it helps to bring that conversation out and to you know really validate the emotions that that are going on. And you know, it is so refreshing to see people standing up and saying, "Hey, this matters." And you know, I really do applaud you and all of your efforts. And I I really I'm behind it. Like I mean, and and I encourage everybody else to too because it's hard to get a movement going. And any time that we can support the people who are out there doing the hustle to get their voices heard, we need to encourage them and recognize our role in how we can support it and how we don't detract from it and get lost in the weeds of other arguments that aren't really part of the message. So keep it up. Like Go and <laughs> go join Patrice's stuff.
2: <laughs> Thank you. And also, I want to say, too, Thank you to you both. I mean, um, I was a part of your first conference, best Mm -hmm. conference ever. I'm definitely going to the second one. Thank you. But the topic that you allowed me to bring to your platform, I still get emails to this day about it, about, you know, how how to service the Black community or people of color when you're not of color. And a lot of things that I had mentioned about, you know, the things to say and not to say like, you know using strong all the time may you know counter you know contradict what you're trying to do here we've always know we've been strong we're coming to you because we don't want to be strong anymore so if you keep telling me i'm strong you're apparently not listening to me Mm -hmm. and so even though the conversation at times probably got a little sticky (laughs) um (laughs) because it's not i mean it's a good conversation to have but it's not comfortable it gives you you know the bubble guts at times i really think that you opening that door was really eye-opening for a lot of people in the room it, mm. it created a lot of question of i thought that my style of therapy fits all and that's all i want anybody to know is that it does not what yeah. works for the black community may not work for the hispanic community it's really understanding the cultural roots of where they're coming from because that is where they're basing All the things that they do, the Hispanic culture of being, you know, the traditional role of, you know, being respectful of the man. The man does everything you obey what the man does. You can't tell a woman like that to leave her husband. She's not going to do it. That's going against traditional values. So what you think may work for what you've been doing all this time may not work for certain cultural groups. So. I think that you guys bringing that conversation was very eye-opening for a lot of people. And I appreciate you for allowing me to do that. I think it made some waves of reaching out to people in those communities and having more conversations and more consultations about like, hey, I have this client, am I hurting them or am I doing them a service? So thank you both for your advocacy and opening the doors to all communities and wanting to Help anybody that needs help, and not just identifying it to one specific group. So, thank you. Wow, you're welcome.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think to me, the the piece that I I've been hearing this whole time is really one of cultural humility for those of us who are not in the community, but also really digging beyond that and and digging deeper into really understanding the historical context, understanding how someone walking into our office may be bringing their own story, but they may also be, be, be bringing intergenerational trauma that needs to be addressed and we can't ignore it and we can't do a one size fits all. We have to really consult. We have to keep going to trainings because if we do a disservice to our clients, because we've not done that, we're continuing to reinforce the stigma and potentially the huge amounts of death by suicide by homicide by mental health conditions that we can't we can be a part of the solution and we should stop being part of the problem
2: absolutely and also i would like to leave off with this for my black community that's listening out there I can do all the work. I can put out all these infographics. I can do all these speeches. I can do all these podcasts. And, you know, my colleagues and and others can do the same thing. It's up to us to absorb the information, accept the information and use it for change. A lot of times I feel like my community, we like to hear about it until it hits home and then we want to ignore it. It's all good and daddy till it applies to you. You got we have the information. It's time to use it. It's time to apply those tools. It's time to seek help. It's time to open up those doors and learn how to trust again, whether it's a black clinician or it's or it's a, a a white clinician or Hispanic clinician. There has to be a time where enough information. Let's do some action. And I think that's where we're at in the black community is that it's time for us to absorb it and don't ignore it. And if we say mental health is real for everybody else, apply it to yourself, too.
1: Yep. Where can people find more about you and find all your fancy infographics and <laughs>
2: <laughs> all, your stuff. all the things? So the cool part about my infographics and things like that is that I look at that as an investment towards my community's mental health. So I make pretty much all of my infographics free for download. Nice. Um, so they can go to my website, PatriceNDouglas.com and click on, I think it's like shop or store and you can download a hundred low budget ways of self-care, the um, Black Women Anxiety, Black Men Depression um, infographic. All of them are available uh, for free on that, on my website. You can also find me on Empire Counseling and empirecounselingandconsultation.net. If you are looking for therapy or you need some resources, that's there. On Instagram, you can find me at the Patrice Nicholson cole Facebook, and Twitter, uh, Patrice N. Douglas. Twitter, I love you, but sometimes you get abandoned. But sure, <laughs> I'm so sure, with you on that. <laughs> you can for sure DM me on Instagram. I'll probably get to it way sooner than Twitter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll include links to all of that in our show notes. You can find those on mtsgpodcast.com. And Patrice has done a great job of selling last year's conference. And we have a whole new conference (laughs) this year that you'll also find at our website. Uh, That's October 18th and 19th in Universal City, California, here in the Los Angeles area. We're going to have two days. Awesome people. Patrice is going to be there. Yes. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Simple Practice is helping us put this on. They're taking care of the CEs.
2: Nice. Awesome.
1: We're really proud to be teaming up with them and we just want you there. So until next time, I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy and Patrice Douglas. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thrizer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code moderntherapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
0: Thanks so much to our partner Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code modern gets you two free months.